Just like springtime in Alberta Warm sunny days in the skies Then without a warning Another winter storm comes raging through And the mercury's falling I'm left all alone This is episode 87, <laughs> Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. Welcome to Friday afternoon. And it's this warm is, out. This, is, March, my la- this is the last show for me being recorded at my first ever downtown apartment. Yep. I will be moving at the end of this weekend. And next time you guys see me, I'll be in my new spot. East <laughs> Village, here we come. What, how much different should we expect, Wacey? Like, what, what's it going to look like in the new pad? You're going to have it's gonna be a bit, floor to ceiling windows. It's going to be pretty grand. I'm going to clean it up a bit, you know, tighten it up. Like, like a bit, like it's kind of like a, my, my vibe that I have here right now is obviously single guy living in an apartment by himself. That's my mm-hmm. vibe. So I'm going to try and like turn it up a bit, you know, like get a bit more of like a modern at modern style vibe i'm gonna get like like, i'm getting rid of a bunch of my random pieces of furniture that i have that don't really like go okay but i don't know that i don't know the first thing about interior design anyways i've been to home sense like six times so whatever (laughs) i don't even know if home sense is interior dude that place might be like step one that's the most underrated store ever though like once you get to a place when you move it on your own and you need shit like you can get anything you ever wanted that's really nice for a fraction of the price Hmm. like you can get i got a really nice set of like whiskey glasses for like seven bucks that seems good and they have sweets and they the art there dude like this picture right back there i got that at home sense it's like 40 bucks and it's like a sweet painting i can tell i'm, I'm pumped to put that one up in my next place it's gonna be sweet man i'm i'm, yeah. I'm excited for you. you're moving you you uh, bought a bike last night and threw it in at the house it, but it's like it's springtime in alberta it's, man, it's, uh, it's but this I've is bu- this is what they call fool's spring though isn't it like it's we're yeah. about to get some more snow it's gonna be pretty crappy for a while but at least are we like, actually are we actually are we actually about to get some more snow? Is that just like oh man, it's it's spring in Alberta. It might snow in May. We don't fucking know yet. Yeah, I have a we feeling. Don't, don't know. I have a feeling that just gonna keep buzzing. I don't know. I've been buzzing all week, man. I'm feeling good. The weather's nice. We had, yeah. had a couple of patio sessions already. It's true. Um, it's true. Oh man, we gotta talk about the, the the shit that happened to me to us the other day on Wednesday or what day was yesterday? Thursday. Thursday. When I went, you to, have a cool story about about being yeah in yeah. So, anyways, as you guys all know, we dropped some some new merch this past week and on the 12th, um, on the 12th. March. Yeah. And, the, and then, so I was out, uh, I was working from home on Thursday and I just wanted to go have some lunch and I've kind of been just not, I got rid of all my groceries, so I don't have really have anything to eat. So I was like, I watered down a Lulu bar, which is one of my favorite places right on the corner from my place I'm currently at. And, uh, I'm wearing our new space cowboy sweatshirt and it's pretty, it's pretty cool design. And I walk in and the host of the door for a male to wear, but you know, not really. I think it's, it's really sweet, not man. actually. Yeah. It's really not. It's yeah. It's sweet, dude um it's forward so, it's forward for a male to wear well, it depends it depends who you are though it's like, different it's yeah, different it's sweet, it's sweet yeah it's a sweet design um but anyways uh yeah so the host was like oh that's a really cool sweater and i'm like yeah thanks it's our podcast whatever they go sit at the bar and these two there's these two two gals working at the bar and they come up to me like oh my god like we love your sweater like it's so cool and, and the one the one girl she uh she was like I'll, I'll buy i'll buy your tab if you give me your sweater and i was like oh whatever like 
And it was like 20 like bucks. So you're like, ah, I don't know. This isn't a very good deal. And yet. I didn't know what it was. If you're like the time, in for like two hundo, you'd be like, yeah, sure. Here you go. Yeah, it's a good deal. <laughs> um, and then like, so we got chatting some more and she turns out she's from Saskatoon and we had some mutual connections, which was kind of funny. And then I kind of made her a deal with her that she had to follow me, follow the podcast, uh, post a photo with the sweatshirt. And then she did with her dog. And then listen to one, one episode of the show and tell her friends. Yeah. So she made me that deal and I gave her the shirt off my back at the bar. I walked out of there. Lucky I had a t-shirt on under the sweater else I'd have been. <laughs> might have been awkward. Just been wearing a vest with no shirt. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was, it was pretty cool, man. It's fun to uh, just kind of spread like what we got going on and, and talk to some people who maybe they would never have stumbled upon the show. Yep. And we made a new fan. New fan. And her, and her dog loves the sweater. Dog loves the sweater, man. I've actually, and I received a few other DMs afterwards from yeah. people there who were sad they didn't get a sweater. So. And Wacy may or may not get to go on a date with one of them. Oh, man. TBD. We'll see what happens. Cut that part out, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> we will see what happens. Well, but anyways, yeah, that was good. It's funny. It's, it's yeah, fun it's cool to... Uh, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool to talk. I like talking to people about it. It's, it's fun. I was kind of surprised we didn't get more people asking us about the stuff uh, when we were doing the photo shoot. But, well, another funny story. For those that didn't watch, we got... Uh, we got uh, shut down by the fuzz at the stampede grounds. Mm-hmm. You was, should be able uh, to go back and check like a highlight. We may have highlighted the story at this point, yeah. but yeah, we were, it's funny. <laughs> I thought about this. We too. forgot. Like, we we talk- totally forgot. Well, like, well, yeah. Cause like, we're like, like we talked about it that day. Like we're so used to having free reign at the stampede grounds. So we just think nothing of it when it's time to go roll up there. And a person forgets that it's actually private property. And yeah, I thought the security guard who rolled up on us, like the, for how quick he was driving, I thought we were gonna get in shit. But he's actually a really chill guy. So it was, oh, like, it was great. Turned out worked out to be something really <laughs> funny. So that's good. Either way, we, like we may not have got the content we wanted to sh- on the photo side of things, but we got some good behind the scenes content of us almost getting busted. Yeah, and but, just for the record, we are we are not affiliated or uh, sponsored by the Calgary Stampede in any way, shape, or format. Just uh, for the legalities there, not associated. So everyone knows. So I better throw that out there so we don't get any trouble. I don't want any more security showing up in my house with any cease and desist. I don't want to get foiped again, Wace. Just don't, don't want to get foiped. They don't need getting foiped. That ain't that. no good. That ain't no good. We don't need that. Um, yeah. And then we also, yeah, we also did a, a new, like a photo shoot for our new content or for a new, uh, new, new merch. So be on the lookout for that. And don't Some be new afraid flicks to... might be already out by the time the show comes. Yeah, out. I guess so. At, at that point, yeah. There's, yeah. There's, we got. I think we got some really cool shots, and we're gonna have some really cool content to throw you guys' way. And yeah. hopefully, there's, yeah. There's a picture of Wacy in a tree. He's also uh, the one you may have seen. He's by a, a slice of toast on a wall in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. That thing did not smell very. Man, good the back way. alley. It was. It's good. Whoa. Like if Whoa. you could smell through a photo, the photo would get negative likes. But I don't know if you could smell through the photos because we. I know, but I'm just saying, like, hypo- the... hypoth- hypothetically, like, if yes. you could, like, see a photo on Instagram <laughs> and the smell of the location of what's came going through, on, you yeah. would, like, unfollow the person instantly. Yeah. It's not so bad. Cool. I don't think Cody fo- or Kobe photographed the street meat that was in the alley. I, like, I would be worried to go to that restaurant with what was brewing in the back alley there, what was going on. <laughs> I hope they don't serve that to humans because that would be why people get sick at, at that restaurant because it was... yeah. Oh, we could like I can walk that far down that that alleyway because it wasn't smells wasn't that bad. Man, the things you gotta do for content these days, hey, eh? you gotta go to stinky oh. places. Oh. But uh, yeah, good good shoot. Thanks for being there, Ray. Thanks for helping organize it and getting it done. We're we'll, looking forward to the photos. And uh, yeah, check out the new merch, cowboyshit.ca. Give it a give it a look. See what you like. Check it out in the stores all the way from Manitoba to BC. Uh, we've sent a lot of merch out in the last 
little while here and Canada post comes on Friday to the house to pick up. So if you got an order, it's probably on the way. Get your shit right now. Get your shit at cowboyshit.ca. Got anything else for the top way? So we'll uh, come back. Ah, that's good for me, man. All right. If you go into the interview, it's a banger on this week. This is episode 87, Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacey. Our interview, Randy Bernard, after this. With, with uh, over $1 billion in sponsorship sales to date, he was the CEO of the PBR from 1995 to 2010 and CEO of IndyCar from 2010 to 2012. A co-manager of Garth Brooks and the creator of RFD TV's The American, he's a visionary in Western sports and a man that we're proud to have on the show. Please welcome Randy Bernard. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate your time today to be here. We, 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 uh, we've had you on the list for a long time, but finally got, uh, got things lined up to have the show today. But we'll just start off. Uh, the eighth edition of the American, uh, how to go on, on your end. Let's, let's talk about that to start. Well, I think it, for a COVID year, it was, it was, it was great. I mean, of course we want to sell more than 15,000 tickets, but um, you know, when the health department says that's what you can sell and we're just thankful to be able to sell tickets. I think the governor of, of Texas was so accommodating and, and, and Arlington was amazing. Um, and, and Fort Worth was amazing for a semifinal. So it, for the most part, um, it was it was outstanding. The competition is just one of your favorite events of the entire year. First year we ever had that we didn't pay out the million dollars that a qualifier didn't win it. You know, I mean, I will never forget eight years ago, everybody was said, nine years ago, they said, you know what? There's not going to be anyone beat these top guys in the world. And now look at it. Eight years into it, we've had seven payoffs and, and one now that we haven't. And uh, and that that's going to go to next year, which is an it's a huge number for next year. $2 million. One person can come out of there with probably with the biggest sport, the biggest check ever one day in Western sports next year. It could be a $2 million winner. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I, what's exciting about that to me is that the entire event will pay over $3.4 million. And, uh, you know, that's what our dream was to see this thing grow. So we'll, it'll be fun to see what happens. Um, I anticipate uh, a, a lot of entries this year. So, um, it'll be uh, a lot of competition, and I have a feeling someone will win it next year. <laughs> the uh, you paid over, uh, hopefully, yeah, it could be a big one that, even after that. <laughs> but you, you guys have paid over twenty million dollars with the American overall, and uh, it's it's one of the richest events. It's the richest one day event in Western sports, and if you include next year at three point four million, the only thing that pays more than that is the PBR World Finals, which you also helped create at your time with the PBR and the, and the NFR, it's the second biggest event overall and the richest in one day that, and you guys have created it in the last, you know, within the last decade, it's, it's pretty impressive what's been done. You know, I think my favorite part of the American is I love to say it's where dreams come true because it's going to change a cowboy's life forever or a cowgirl. It's, but it's, to me, that's what's the most, the best part of it is, it's the only event in rodeo that you truly root on an underdog. You you know, when you go there, you might be have your favorite cowboys or barrel racers that you want to watch, but all of a sudden it shifts when all of a sudden this qualifier is right up there competing with the best athletes in the world. And it has the opportunity to win that million. Everybody's heart moves over and wants to see that underdog win. And that to me is, is, is what I love the most about it. I'd also say that, you know, when we started this event, 
Um, I, I'll never forget, I had, I w wanted to have this major breakfast in Omaha, Nebraska at that circuit finals they had there. All the top cowboys in the world were there. I put out the biggest breakfast layout and spent a ton of money with PowerPoints and making sure everything was gonna be first class, expecting like a hundred cowboys. And uh, I think there was six that walked in the room. That's all we had. And I was shocked that nobody wanted to learn about this. I mean, Trevor Brazil was there um, and a few others. Um, but I, like I said, it was nobody really believed it would happen. And, and at that point, we had one cowboy um, that just stood up in the meeting and said, you know what, you're going to pay out $2 million, but what are you going to make? Uh, and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think there's a, a rodeo, a one-day rodeo in the world that you can win 50000 at. And all of a sudden, you're <laughs> telling me uh, I, it's all about me making money. And I'm like, well, I sat there and thought for a minute. And I said, I'll tell you what. Uh, if you want to be my partner, I'll, I'll let you have 50% of this, but you just have to pay 50% of our losses if there's a loss. And uh, I said, I'll open my books. I'll show you what this thing's going to cost. And so that's pretty much what we did. Uh, I, and he was like, oh, I'll pass. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he was think... smart. He was smart. <laughs> well, well, let's just dive right into that too. I, I think I think you mentioned that it was uh, that it was Matt Reeves on a previous show. I was listening to, to one and it was Matt, wasn't it? <laughs> I didn't want to be too mean on poor Matt. I didn't want to be too mean on I started to, and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to pick on Matt. <laughs> but, but, so let's get into it. There's a lot of speculation, I think, that's out there, and not, and not, uh, not everybody wants to ask the questions, I guess, really. But, but there's, I, I read at one point, 4,000 entries. It went from a couple thousand, and I think four was maybe, the, maybe one of the higher numbers on the, on the actual entries uh, for the qualifiers. So, mm -hmm. We can get into some more numbers that way, but like, if people are, really want to want to know, like this thing, if you want to, what's the build up? Go and put dirt in in AT and T Stadium. Like, like there's a lot of costs here. It doesn't matter what that side brings in. There's a pile of costs, and it is not. It's not. A, it wasn't a money making venture in year one. I'm assuming. Uh, if I could be straight out honest, it hasn't been a money making event in the first six years. Yeah. So, um, and. You know, I, 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 someone showed me a, a Facebook thread where basically they're like, what's he doing with all this money? And he's making off of the, uh, the uh, semifinals and all these entries. And I don't think people realize that it costs about $6.4 million to produce this event. And it's massively expensive. Um, the, you know, the AT&T Stadium has cost us over $1.2 million. Um, and again, I mean... Anybody that wants to be our partner, I'll, as long as they pay the past, you know, loss of 50-50 with me that wants to be our partner, I, they're more than welcome to be my partner. Um, you know, but, um, and in fairness now, this this year here was probably our turnaround year. Uh, I, I don't think we've made money, but, but being it was a COVID year, um, I think we've been able to bring our expenses down quite a bit on the, on the stadium. And, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that, Next year will be our first really, really good year, and uh, we'll need it. But, um, but um, I think uh, for the most part, um, everybody just thinks that we're just pouring in the money, that we're just, you know, and it's, it's, it's not. It's the reason we created these other things is to try. We, have, we lose $125,000 on our semifinals every year. Um, and 
you know, but um, it's important to have, we have to have it. And it's part of the American. And it's just, it's just a very expensive event to produce. And I don't want to do a half ass. I mean, everything we do is we do first class. Even uh, that, my first uh, introduction was, I think one of the first times I ever met you was at the semifinals. I flew in, I was in Nicaragua the same week. And then I flew in and met Richard Jones there and met you on like after the perf one night, but I came in and saw a couple nights of the semifinals and went back to Richard's place for a while and then come and came down and saw the American the day after the, uh, the PBR iron cowboy, I want to say it was in probably yep. like 2018, I think. So I got to see yep. both of them, but, but I, I agree. I was completely impressed by the, by the semifinals and, and glad I got to come in and see it. Cause the competition, like you said, was first class, the production of the rodeo. Somebody could come to that, that rodeo, that semifinals and it, the production there rivals or is, is better than your, the average rodeo. It, well, it is better than the average rodeo that I'd ever seen down there. I'd, I'd put that up against uh, the perf, even, even looking at the perf at uh, San Antonio, you know, some of these other bigger rodeos. I didn't like the perf at San Antonio or Houston better than I like the semifinals because the semifinals and the American is about rodeo. It, the rodeo is the first priority with these events that, that you're a part of. It's not the concert or it's not the, you know, Alan Jackson afterwards at, at, san antonio it was it was rodeo first at both of these which which i appreciated and i think it's well it's 100 by design too i I, that's a that's one of the biggest things i believe in uh, is uh the way you make stars is is you showcase your sport in 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 the best way you can and not with bringing entertainment in entertainment um you know if you go to houston you know 70 percent of your stadium is empty until the concert starts and that's not what we're about. We know we have amazing fans out there and we know we can sell enough tickets to make this work. Um, so, th- th- you know, all, everything we try to do um, is, is develop and build stars. And it's very important to us. Has that been accomplished over the years with that? Like, have you achieved the growth like, within the sport to, to justify it? Like keep putting on the event at the, at the losses? It, it's going to happen eventually. You know, I, it, it's one of those, tipping points where it's just going to happen. Um, I mean, you look at the bad luck we had. The first year was 70 degrees on Saturday. We had four inches of ice the, the first Sunday. You know, we lost a ton of people that couldn't come. We had to give refunds to. Um, and then the next year we had another ice storm. This year we had COVID. So, you know, it's it hasn't been the best. Uh, but do we believe that it's going to get better? It, it is. It's going to grow. It's just like the PBR. It took us eight or nine years before PBR became uh, really grew into the, what we anticipated it to be. The uh, let's talk about how it came to be. I, I, I was listening to these other shows, doing the research. I was curious about more about how it actually came to be. Jerry Jones was a partner with the PBR. The first event there would have been 2010 when Colby Yates won the 50,000 at the, at at t Is that right? Or am I remembering wrong? I think that was the first one of the big first PBR events there was. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes. So that uh, was, I want to say it was 2008. Oh, 2008. Okay. So, so you make the deal with Jerry Jones to go there with the no, PBR. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't. You're right. 2010. It was 2010. 2010. Because it was Colby yeah. Yates because he, he was like a last yeah. minute alternate shows up and wins the whole thing for the 50,000. Mm-hmm. That was the. It was my last event before I went on to be CEO of IndyCar. So it was 2010. Okay. So that was the year. So you make the deal with, uh, with Jerry to come there with the PBR. And then later on you, uh, go back with the American, but how, so how did these, how did the PBR first get to go 
to AT&T. And then let's talk about the American and the origin story there. Well, John Hickman, who um, is a very close friend of mine who's been with the, the Cowboys for over 30 years, um, said, you need to get down here and meet Jerry Jones. Jerry wants to meet you. And so um, we, we did. And um, we flew, we, I flew down there and Jerry uh, took me out onto the practice field. It was not in Frisco, it was the old practice um, place. And uh, him and I sat out there for about an hour and a half. Bill Parcells was the coach. I'll never forget it. I had my cowboy hat on and he did not like me being out there on the field. He, he felt like I was, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if he thought I was a spy or what I was, but it, it was, I mean, I'm sitting there talking to Jerry Jones and he just didn't care. Um, and then, uh, I believe Jerry or John introduced me and he warmed up a little, but not to, not to too much. Um, but um, yeah, and, he, and Jerry goes, I want, I want a PBR when we get this new stadium built. It's going to be, uh, that was, God, that must've been 2007, 2006. Uh, um, because he goes, you could either do it in our old stadium or wait uh, two or three years until our new one's done. And I said, let's wait. I said, I, th I think it's real important that we have a, this new stadium to have it. And so that's what we did. Uh, he goes, I'll let you pick your date. So that's, I, I, I love that weekend. I think it's one of the best weekends of the year to have an event. So that's what we did. And, and it was a great success. Jerry Jones came back to me and said, listen, I want a rodeo. I go, Jerry, I can't really do that. I mean, I'm, I'm only uh, I'm PBR only. And after that, I said um, that we would, um, golly, I said, you know, Maybe some other time when I'm, I'm, you know, I was still at PBR. I said, maybe after this. Well, Jerry had a meeting, a Super Bowl owners meeting in Indianapolis because the Super Bowl was going to be there. And so he, him and I went to dinner at Ruth Chris one night and he said, asked me again, I said, now I'm the CEO of IndyCar. I can't do it. So we couldn't do it then. <laughs> and then, and then when I went to become CEO of RFD, it made perfect sense for me. I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is great. So uh, I flew down, met with him. He's like, I just want it big. I'm like, well, Houston Rodeo puts up 1.8 million for 18 days or 21 days. I said, what if we put up 2 million for, what if we put up 2 million for one day? And he's like, I love it. Let's do it. So that's how it happened. Did, did the format come after the, the, uh, the theory or the, the pitch for the event or was the format in your head for a long time? to do something like this? Or did that come after? No, I had the format designed when I was at the PBR. I had several different formats designed when I was at PBR. I wanted, I wanted this one PBR event and the, the, the board um, Shot it down. didn't like it. And I still love to do it. It was called uh, Texas versus the world. And I wanted yeah. to do it at the Alamo Dome. Uh, back when the Alamo Dome, you know, I just, uh, in San Antonio, I mean, you know, the Alamo, I'm like, let's have this Texas versus all the Texas Cowboys on one team and the rest of the world take them on on another team. And that's when <laughs> Texas had all the good Cowboys. I mean, you know, we had Adriano and some great Brazilian. We had some great Cowboys, Michael Gaffney from New Mexico. But um, I just think it would have been a major, fun, fantastic event. It never did happen. Huh. No saying it couldn't still. Because another question I'd wrote down was, was it's kind of yes or no, but there, I think there's a lot more to it with – asking is the american the pinnacle of your event career or I, I saw something you mentioned as well about the patriot in chicago on independence day but what would you what, what are your thoughts on that i i, I want to know well i um now that you know 
I don't know if I'd call it the Patriot now since the, someone else brought this data in into, into Texas, but um, for, I've produced right at 4,000 events in my life. And so I really believe that um, out of all those from Indy 500s to PBRs, you know, and I've been to five Super Bowls or three or four, actually, I don't know, four Super Bowls. Um, I've been to Mike Tyson fights. I'd never seen and felt the energy like I did at the American. I mean, and I think it's because the pressure, the drama that was evolving on one day, and you had most of these guys making, um, you know, 30, 40, at the most, 30,000 in a day. All of a sudden, they're getting to compete for um, a million. I mean, yeah. it just created this great drama. Uh, we had great storylines, and it just worked out real well. Well, in the first year, you couldn't have wrote it any better with Richmond winning $1.1 million in his, at the very first one in 2014 for Richmond champion to come yeah. in and you know be a virtual unknown in the whole business and then do that. Well, that, look what it's done for his career now, too. He's exploded. He's one of like the most well-known like rodeo athletes in the world, I would say. Off of that, you, that's one star that yeah. you guys definitely mm-hmm. built at the American. Did you, did you apply any of your IndyCar experience to the framework for the American? Not really. I think um, there's they're different sports. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, IndyCar was an amazing sport, and, and it, but it was such an intense – and it was more international than I think the one thing I learned was um, what you don't do opposed to what you do do from IndyCar. I think, um, I, you know, they had gone through a, a major, uh, time, you know, 15 years that was just absolutely um, plagued with issues. And when there was that split. So I think that we learned a tremendous amount from that. But no, I, but nothing really in the, into the American. The uh, the one one of the uh, other pieces on the rodeo side of things, and I I'm curious. You you are you produced the openings at the NFR. You've since said you you're not going to do that again. That that's uh not something you want to do again again uh, next year, correct? Never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> so so speaking of that on the rodeo side of things, though, one of the quotes that I, that I, I pulled earlier was that rodeo, uh, cannot run as an associate. You cannot run a rodeo association as a club. It has to be run as a business sport and most importantly, entertainment. Those three things are the most important ingredients in a company. Where are we at with rodeo right now? Overall, I think one of the biggest issues, and we've talked about it tons on this, but I want to get your take on it is that rodeos are not the same product everywhere we go. We go to a rodeo and, you know, like we're talking about San Antonio, Houston, they're all in different, they're all a different format. They're a different show where with the PBR now it's a consistent show. There might be a different format, whether it be iron cowboy or, or the uh, last cowboy standing or, or whichever that is. But, but with rodeo, it's different everywhere. It's not like, it's not like a company like McDonald's where you get the same product everywhere you go. What's next on that side of things. I know you're, you're working with, uh, with George Taylor and, in, in on that way with the NFR that way, but you're working with them. So I, I want to know what's next. What's this next move? So first, you know, my, my role at the NFR was very small, but I, I, I felt very privileged and, and I was honored that they asked me to be able to produce um, the openings. I absolutely love doing it. Um, but it does take a lot of time and, you know, uh, managing Garth is, you know, because of COVID, I was 
I had the opportunity with the extra time. I thought, well, this be fun. Um, you know, and I'm like, I don't need to make money on this. I just want to have fun with it. And so I, I don't, I, everything I do in my life, it, it, it's about passion. And I, I never charge anyone a dime for it. Um, I think our openings were very patriotic. Um, and I thought that for the most part with, you know, we didn't have the right type of lighting or we didn't have the right sound or um, the, the, we couldn't create a dark house completely. Um, there was some issues, but for the most part, they turned out pretty well. Um, I thought they turned out better for TV than they did for the, the live event, which is great because we had, you know, a million people per, per episode, uh, per, per uh, night watching. Um, but on that front, um, back to your question, where do I see the sport? I, I, I'm a big believer that the one thing that made the PBR great and what makes the NFL great and the Major League Baseball and the NBA is you're showcasing the best cow athletes in the world with every single one of those sports. And that's the reason why the Continental League of Basketball didn't make it. That's the reason that the Vince McMahon's Football League, XFL, didn't make it. If you don't have the best athletes and you're not showcasing the best in the world, people see through it. And I think that's what, you know, there's, there's 10 different bull riding organizations out there, but none of them can say they have the best bull riders in the world. I mean, PRC uh, could say that because they have a, a, a very quality. So I'm not trying to throw anything on the bus. I think we did a phenomenal job of marketing it as the best Cowboys and the best bulls in the world. And I think that's what the PRC and I hope the Cowboy channel focuses on is not just showcasing small rodeos, um, and dilute everything. I think you need to showcase the best Cowboys in the world at the biggest rodeos in the world and, and really do the sport justice in the, seeing the, the type of athlete we have in, in, in our sport. And that's not just, you know, these horses are amazing. So, I mean, that would be my goal if, if I could tell them one thing is, is let's not waste the time on the smaller rodeos. Let's, let's spend more time on the big rodeos and do them right. Is, Do you think that, that a, the Cowboy Channel is going to make it harder for rodeo to reach like new fans? Just as as like when it's not, like say when the NFL was on CBS Sport Network, like, you get the casual people who would show up on a national network. Whereas now, I feel like you have to seek it out more if you're not a rodeo fan. It's like you, it's harder to stumble upon a, a, like a, a rodeo like the American or something. If you look at the ratings from uh, this year, that that um, would prove that theory wrong. Okay. Um, uh, I believe it was 100% more people this year watched the Cowboy Channel than what watched CBS Sports. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it was massive. And if you take any niche sport, and you have to call rodeo niche mm -hmm. because it isn't mainstream. Um, if you looked at NASCAR when it was a niche sport just on TNN on cable before 1978, before it hit its big CBS event, um, what you saw was you're building a base. And I think that's what rodeo has to do. They have to build that base. And the more people, it, it will snowball. If people love it and it's quality stuff, people are going to come to it. I, you know, it's, you know, it, that's a guarantee, but you have to be able to connect with uh, America and culture. And, and then once you do, it will, it will take off. And I think, you know, uh, NASCAR is very regionalized back then. It was a, a, a sport for the South, but it's come a long ways. The, uh, the Cowboy Channel, I, I, well, first of all, we love the openings. I, I, I was a huge fan of, every, of 
all the openings this year, especially the Canadian one. Thanks for getting Brett Kissel involved. That was super cool to to uh, to see Brett down there. It was a total surprise. I didn't even know it was happening. And he he even said it was a surprise. You called him on on a Sunday, asked if he'd get down there Thursday. That was that was a pretty neat story to hear that way. <laughs> but big fans of the oh. it was the first time anything had been different from the NFR standpoint that I'd seen. And I've been there the last 10 years and it probably hadn't changed much before that either. Oh, I love Brett Kissel. I think he's one of the, he's got an amazing voice. He's one of the best guys in the whole world. And it was a, it was great to have him come down and participate. And, um, you know, and Wayne Bold's been amazing doing it. I, I didn't like to take away from any tradition, um, but feel, I felt that by having the number, the entertainer of the year of Canada come down for the Canadian national anthem, it's, it's important. And I think that it showcased your sport and in a, in a great way. And that was very important for us to do. Um, um, I think all of our openings that we did, we tried to hit um, some type of not only patriotism, but emotion. I mean, you have to tap into people's emotion. And I think we just came off of a, a miserable year of politics. And I think everybody was sick and tired of it and fed up with it. And you know what, whether you're Republican or Democrat, we're still American. And there's no sport, there's no lifestyle like the Western lifestyle. There's no culture like our Western culture that bleeds red, white, and blue. And we do stand every time. Um, and that was very important. And we do respect our friends on the, on the North border. Uh, I mean, can, we love Canada. I did my internship at the Calgary Stampede in 1988 and absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, it. To me, one of the most, oh my gosh, I, I, it changed my life. If it hadn't been for the Calgary Stampede, I wouldn't be sitting where I am right now. Um, they, they were amazing to me. Uh, they worked me into all 38 of their managers and I, it was just a, a blessing that I had that opportunity to go up there and do that. Going, going back to the Cowboy Channel, Wacy, and to your point, I was I was kind of on the similar fence wondering that. But one thing I have to point out to uh, all the all of us rodeo fans that have watched the watch that have been, tried to watch NFR for the past few years, we couldn't get it in Canada. It's not on TV. It's not here. It's not there. It was so. It was every time we were going into the finals, it was like, where do we watch it? How do we find it here? You got to pay for this. You got to do that. You can buy it from some pirated online website, right? But this year it was cowboychannel.com pay your 80 or 90 bucks or whatever it was. And you watch it live and every night and you saw the whole show. There was no messing around. It was the first time in my memory where it was very clear and very easy to find and very easy to watch. So I, I huge, uh, huge kudos for making that happen to everybody involved. Well, I think Patrick Gotch gets all the credit on that. Patrick is a, is a huge believer in, in the cowboy channel and rodeo and uh, the cowboy channel, you know, it's, it's brand new. People don't realize it's two years old and, and he's bit off a lot for a, a small uh, two-year-old television network. But what he's been able to pull off in the, in, the, in the last two years has been amazing. And I can promise you that he's pouring a heck of a lot more money into this network than he's getting out of it. But it, he believes in it. He loves it. And uh, I got to give him tremendous credit for uh, tackling this because it's, it, it's a major deal. Major deal and major, major opportunity for us to get through the winter right now. I know I've had a lot of folks say they've loved it this winter, being able to watch all these rodeos and they can tune on the TV and instead of watching some random, something random, they can actually watch, watch rodeo. So that's been a huge benefit. Going back to the rodeo side of things and the, and the formats, I wanted to speak to that and ask one more question on the PRCA front. And I don't know 
how much we can get into this or, or what it might look like. But I've, in Canada, there have been no rodeos uh, in the past, you know, over a year now because of the, in my opinion, I think it's because of the CPRA. They're not structured in a way that allows them to even have a reason to put on rodeos because they don't put on rodeos. They're in the business of administering and sanctioning and taking the entries. They're not, a, they're not in the rodeo business or entertainment business. They're just in the, in the sanctioning business. Is this something that needs to change? Like is the PRC even, even the entity that can showcase these athletes at these big shows, or is that be something else to go and do it? I, I, I get a little frustrated sometimes because I think like, what is the solution? I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm stumped at times. I guess it's easy for me and you probably to be armchair quarterbacks, but what I would say on that is when I looked at the PBR, we were a sanctioned body too, just at the beginning. We, you know, we had eight events, we sanctioned them. And what we found real quick was we had no control over it. We'd show up and we'd see brass bands and we would see all this BS that we just didn't want (laughs) to see. And so, you know what, we we were always surprised. Oh, there's going to be a conflicting uh, sponsorship or you know conflicting sponsors there's gonna be every time we found surprises and and we just kept taking control taking control taking control until we owned a hundred percent of everything advertising marketing every event and if you didn't want to run the event and by the time we got that big and we were producing enough of them the ones that we did keep with uh, promoters it was either do it our way or the highway we we, we weren't going to sit back we knew what our demographic was, we knew what they wanted, we knew how they wanted it, and we weren't gonna allow anyone to make um, uh, mess that up for us. And uh, when we took that control, I took a lot of heat from a lot of promoters, I was a no good guy. But, but for the most part, looking back on it, if we hadn't, it, wouldn't, it would never have grown. And I think, I do think that these, as an armchair quarterback, I'm not sitting in his office, um, so it's unfair for me to, to say that he's not doing the right thing. But what I can say is the more control you have on it, the more control you have of your destiny. And there's nothing wrong with that. The, I, I want to ask on the sponsorship side of things, what, what are the most valuable assets? This is something you've, you've sold a billion dollars with the sponsorship. I think you mentioned that on Flint show. I don't think that's a number that's hardly even been mentioned in Western sports, hardly at all. But I wanted to ask what the most, what you think the most valuable assets in Western sports are on the sponsorship front. I think I might have had an idea of it, but I'm curious what you're, what you're thinking on that side. Well, and, and you know, I, I had an amazing sponsorship team. So a lot of it, they sold, but I oversaw a billion dollars. I, I've, I always made sure I was available to go to those uh, meetings and, and, and help sell those through. But I think what we've seen sponsorships evolve from back in when we started PBR signage was very important. You saw NASCAR, or it just become a cluttered billboard. You go to Times Square, you, it was a cluttered billboard. And I think um, I think it was very important um, to see what these, these companies have transitioned to now that they're social media. You know, they just didn't go and create, say, oh, we need X amount more dollars. What they said was, listen, we're gonna have to take some of it from sponsorship, some of it for advertising and, and create the social media because it's very important. And, and that's where we're gonna reach a, a younger demo. And so I think today we have such a different event, uh, a sponsorship um, than you, you do back then. I think you have to incorporate um, your app, you have to, your OTT play, you have to um, have, have a signage component. But the most important part of any sponsorship today 
is where they can actually develop some type of, of structure where they can actually see results because that's the most important thing for these sponsors today. If you can't show them that they spent, you know, uh, they got a five to one return on their investment or a two to one, or if you can't prove to them, it's hard to keep sponsorships today. And you probably have your CMOs of your companies. Um, uh, I, back when I was at PBR, I, I read an article that most, a lot of CMOs, their turnover was about six years. So you always have an influx and you're always changing. So you always had to always update and increase and keep your thing, uh, keep your, uh, your sanctioning body or your sport growing. What have been some of your most successful partnerships you've built on that front? My favorite probably was working with uh, the CEO of Verizon, Dan Mead and his team um, and, and Lowell McAdams, who was the chairman at the time. I think that they, they truly got it. And this was at IndyCar. Um, they basically said, listen, um, your sport is about speed, technology, and integrity. Um, so let's, let's try to develop a sponsorship around those three assets. And we dealt with their, all their technology. Like they, they walked us into this room somewhere on the East Coast. I want to say it was Philadelphia, where it was just basically looking into the future, what, what we're going to see. It was all their like, scientists and technologists that were sitting in this room developing things that we're not going to see for 10 years. Uh, you know, and it was just amazing to see. Um, and I think that was really fun. That was an amazing sponsorship and a massive sponsorship. Um, I loved um, Apex Brazil was another great one where, where we worked with um, Apex Brazil and President Dilma on de uh, developing um, a place where uh, Brazil would bring their biggest corporate um, companies up and introduce them to um, American companies of the same uh, uh, business and they would take them to races where they could spend eight, 10 hours. So it allowed Brazil to, to drive sales up in, in, uh, in the United States, but at the same time, it was helping Americans companies selling more product down in Brazil. It was a brilliant thing to do. And it was a, it was a massive deal for us uh, and, and Apex Brazil. Wacy, you had a question about, uh, about the early years in the PBR and, and Randy becoming the CEO at like 28. Yeah. I'm just so interested in your path. Like that, like, like I'm 28 right now and just thinking about taking over a, a company like that kind of in its early stages. Like, did you like encounter a lot of challenges that way? Or were you comfortable taking on that role? Like, I'm so curious on that. Well, at 28, you feel invincible. And <laughs> that's true. That's true. I think, I, I think the older I get, the more I know, I, I don't know. Um, and back then I thought I knew everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I didn't really, I mean, I was just gun ho to do it. I was excited. And um, I, I like to have a dollar for every mistake we made, but I'd like to have another dollar for every time we fixed it and made it better because I mean, there wasn't anything that we did um, that we didn't, I mean, we, we'd move away from things, but a lot of times we learned from our mistakes and um, you know, back I started, I was the only employee and I, we had Doug Quimby as our, our attorney and he was our secretary as well. I mean, I, we, you know, every, I did tickets. I did, I did every single thing in that office, uh, sponsorships, media sales, promotion. Um, we, and, and when you, when you have to do every, everything, you learn it and you learn it really well. I wasn't going to be fooled. You know, I mean, when you bring someone in and you know, they're not doing their job. I think the other thing that was, was really important for me that I realized is that 
I paint with a broad brush. I wasn't into detail. So everyone I put around me was very detail oriented. And I think that was very important. Um, I think that, you know, I read what Rick, uh, uh, oh God, uh, Success is a Choice was the name of the book. Yeah, and um, I forget who Rick the author Pitino. is now. That, yeah, Pitino. Rick Pitino. Um, and in that book, he said, he said, hire people with a PhD and that stood for passion, hunger and drive. And I, I resonated with me so well. I said, I went to my HR and said, this is brilliant. I said, I don't, you know what? I could care less what degree they have. If I want that PhD, most importantly, I, if they came from the army and didn't have a, a background or a, a educational background, I didn't care. They were hard workers. I wanted people that worked hard, loved what they did and did it because of the love of it. And I, there's many times I'd walk into a meeting and I'd just say, guys, if you're not happy being here, go do what you love. If it's being a fisherman, go be a best fisherman you can and do what you love. Life's too short to do something you don't want to be. And we took that very, very seriously at the PBR. And I think it, that really showcased really well. I, I've got to ask what, what's your most, what's your, what's your proudest moment in, in the PBR and your time there from 28 to basically when you were 43 and selling it in 2010, was it, was it that sale and getting to call those guys? Was that one of the crowning achievements or what was it? selling was definitely the crown because you know everyone it was started with a thousand dollars each and and when you call people and say um i've got good news and bad news and uh i called my first call was daryl mills who was canadian of course yeah and pink mountain british columbia and i said daryl good news and bad news and he goes uh what's the bad news and i said well the bad news is we're selling the pbr and he said, well, are we going to make a couple hundred thousand? I said, well, that's the good news. Uh, you're going to make a minimum of 4.1 million after tax. And it was just like this. And, uh, and I heard this, honey, get the Jack Daniels out. We're going to dance all night long. <laughs> I think there was some profanity in there. I'm cleaning it up. But yeah. um, it was, and, you know, it was just a, amazing this, to change lives. And I mean, uh, most of the Cowboys were so emotional because, you know, that was their dream when they started it. I think that, I mean, and to me, that's going to be one of my favorite. I think my, my other favorite memory looking back, which I don't really look back much. I don't believe in it, but um, would have to be when we had our first, uh, when, uh, Chris you know, we were, no, when we, we were paying um, uh, the $230,000 with our total payout at the, at the world finals. And when we took it to a million dollars, because the massive fight that we had with the MGM is not going to happen. It's BS. We walked away from them. I mean, the amount of pressure, because we didn't have any other deals. And we were playing poker a little bit. We were bluffing just a hair. I, I learned a valuable lesson. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't never bluff much after that. because it was so, <laughs> I wanted, If it had gone the wrong way, it would have been terrible. Uh, and Alan Jacoby, who uh, just passed away recently, who I just had so much respect for, he called me and said, listen, I don't know who's your, 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 uh, your person that's got this million dollars, but if you need a, 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 a guinea pig, he goes, I'll be him. So that's who I used. Alan Jacoby was the one that was going to give me a million dollars to take the finals to Arizona. But I wasn't too sure he could do it. And I don't think he was. So I was really <laughs> happy when uh, MGM came back and said, we'll, we'll, we'll end up doing it. And it was a, a life-changing moment for, for, the, for the sport because all of a sudden now – you know, we were selling out. I mean, it, it did wonders for our tickets and it truly made us the credible sport. 
that um, moved us into the next next level. Okay, being a Canadian, being a couple of Canadian guys, we're really curious if uh, if the sale to Spire was when you met Wayne Gretzky. Or did you already know him, or how how do you know Wayne? He's like a hero up here. You're <laughs> yeah. you're, oh you're buddies. Um, I met Wayne, yeah, somewhere around that time. I, I don't know if that was when I did. For some reason, I want to say I'd met him prior with uh, Darren Blake. But um, we definitely became very, very close. And uh, I, I went to a lot of Phoenix Cody uh, hockey games when he was uh, GM. Uh, I, you know, I was in Canada 1988 at Calgary when him and Janet got married. And, I mean, and when he moved uh, to California, and it was like, I'll never forget watching so many people cry. From <laughs> I mean, Calgary was partying up a storm. Like, yes, he's gone. We got a chance. And like, in Edmonton is just balling. You've seen all these people balling on TV, and I'm like, oh my god, who is this guy? And, and you know, then all of a sudden you become great friends with him, and and it's just been a amazing friendship, and I I love him to death. What's your best Wayne Gretzky story? Oh, I have so many of them. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, some of them I can't tell. They, they uh, were around drinking. Um, but um, when he comes to, when, when uh, the Oilers play in Nashville, he always comes in uh, uh, to the games and uh, we'll sit and hang out and, and it's uh, a lot of fun. But I have a, uh, this little private club downtown i took him to one time and uh what was crazy is we were sitting in here having dinner and our waitress goes uh mr gretzky my grandmother was your third third grade school teacher and and he he goes absolutely no way and he said he said her name and she goes that's my grandma and it was like so funny. I just, wow. I thought it was, I mean, what a small world. That's so crazy. they had to, I think they even tried to call her or something like that. So it was kind of fun. No but, way. But um, we, 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 you know, I took, uh, Garth never had the opportunity to meet him. And he goes, I'd love to meet him sometime. And we were playing in Edmonton. And so he goes, hey, why don't you call uh, Wayne, see if he wants to go up with us. And Wayne was playing a golf tournament down in Florida. He goes, hell yeah, I want to go up there. So uh, I, I took Garth's plane down, picked him up and we came back and, we sat at my house that night and then all, all of us went up to uh, Edmonton, Garth and Tricia and Wayne and I the next day. And that was pretty fun. When you got off the plane uh, in Canada, in Edmonton with, uh, with uh, Tricia Yearwood, Garth Brooks and Wayne Gretzky, uh, I don't think, I think I was the only one that they checked on my passport. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite oh, the entourage. They didn't roll out the red carpet. I don't even think they even checked theirs. I was, I was kind of offended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We, uh, we only got a few, like a couple minutes here left. I, I got two more things I want to, I want to ask. I, I have uh, one burning question I got to ask. Okay, you go ahead. The end. Um, I, I kind of want to jump back towards your path and just kind of ask like, what is your biggest piece of advice you could give to somebody like say in my position, who's like just starting off their career and, and like would love to be involved in the industry or whatever. Like what, what piece of advice would you offer to that person? Both don't, of be, us. don't be, a, don't be, don't be afraid to start at the lowest position and work up. I don't care if you have a degree. Um, you know what, when you're passionate and you love what you do, it shows through. And I think uh, as long as you're willing to work hard and, and grow, it never goes unnoticed. And I, sometimes you, you have to wait for that opportunity to come, but it's going to come and it's, 
it's worth waiting for. And I, I mean, you know, I dreamed big, um, but I was willing to work hard. And I think looking back on my life, I would say that I know there's millions of people smarter than me, but I'd like to think that my work ethic is in the top 1% of anyone in the world. And that's one thing that gives me the, my feeling is the advantage. And um, I'm not afraid to work. I, I, I start at 6 a.m. in the morning and I'll go to the one or two in the morning and have no problem with it. And, and love because I love what I do. And I think that's what the most important part of this is. I didn't care about money in the early years. Um, and, you know, the money came eventually, but it wasn't important to me at first. The most important thing was to set myself up and do what I love to do the most. So working with working with Garth, this leads into into that. Well, what what do you love so much about about working with Garth? What what does the day to day look like? What what uh, what are you passionate about now? What are your what are your current goals? What do you, what about that? First of all, no one's more passionate about music and about life and about entertaining than him. Um, he views um, uh, performing like eating ice cream. He just, he just can't wait to do it. Um, but you know, Garth Brooks is the most kind, humble appreciative, loving human being on this earth. And he, in, in eight years of being his co-manager, the first eight months I lived out, out with them. And, and, you know, it was such a treat to be able to see someone that truly, you know, when you, if you're with them two or three weeks, you can fool somebody. But when you live with them eight months, you really see who they are. Garth Brooks is, is who he is. And, and he's just so humble and loving. And I've just never been out. I mean, the, it was a blessing when I went to work for him because I, I should be paying him. He shouldn't pay me because it's just, it's just an amazing opportunity. And, and his attitude just is one of the best I've ever seen in my life. I mean, when, when the pressure really gets heated, he, he gets more calm. And it's just, it's really a treat and an honor to work for someone like that. I, uh, he's changed my life to the better. And I think I've learned so much from him just about humility and humbleness and, and, and how, how he treats people is just, uh, it's, it's, it's rare to see someone that kind and, and, and giving. You guys have to be busy planning big shows right now with all the, everything opening up. It's got to be getting back uh, on that right now. It's going to be priority number one. Yeah, we hope that we are back by June. Um, I think for sure by July um, at 100% capacities. Um, Garth, uh, he's going to do uh, major stadiums um, and, you know, we're placed stadiums from 80 to 105,000 people. Um, and we're just thrilled and, and excited to hopefully get back to work. I mean, it's, it, you know, that one thing about the entertainment world, it shut down and uh, nobody's been able to make money at it, very little at least. Um, and, you know, thankfully I'm with guards, but I think there's a lot of these other acts that are really struggling right now. And, and it, it's going to be great for everybody to see everybody go back to work. I got to say the most fun I ever had a conference had at a concert was Garth's show here in Calgary in 2012. It was so great that we, uh, Sean Morton and I both woke up in the front seat. Like he was in the passenger seat. I was in the driver's seat of my car at the ranchman <laughs> in the parking lot. I don't think he even made it inside. We went there afterwards, but we were, we, uh, had quite the time. That was, <laughs> that's my best Garth Brooks memory from, from one of his shows. <laughs> He's the greatest entertainer of all time. There's no question. I mean, I, so many people will say, oh, I was, had the worst seat in the world. I was up in the top balcony. I felt he was talking to me. And <laughs> I hear that so much. And he is. It was just amazing, his connection with people. I don't care if it's his one-man show or his, his full band. And, you know, you think you would lose the 
the uh, passion and drive. No, the yeah, the allure almost. The, being at a sixteen thousand seat arena and going to a hundred thousand seat arena, uh, the uh, you you lose the uh, intimacy, the romance of how small it is, you know, and how cool it is. But the, I I think I, my favorite show is the stadiums. It's just amazing, and every person there knows every song, and it's just, I mean, it is just so fun to hear everybody screaming all those words. What's your favorite Garth Brooks song? The dance. The dance. Mine's that my summer. That summer rips. That summer? Yeah, it's so good. That's a great song. Too. There's so, so many great songs. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, yeah, all of them. I mean, all of them. But I think the dance just means so much to me. I just love it. I mean, um, and it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's my favorite. But I mean, look at Friends in Low Places. There's so many great songs. Mm-hmm. These oh, yeah. Um, what What are your current goals? I've, I've uh, heard about that before in different different things. What are your current goals? How do you, how do you keep uh, changing those every day to keep keep things going? Well, I think the last year has been pretty challenging because uh, I, I felt for the first time in my entire life, I, you know, there was times that I was just, I just, uh, just felt that I, I, I told my girlfriend, I said, I just don't feel like I, I have the, you know, that spring in my step. I just felt so, you know, that I just didn't, I wasn't staying busy enough. And now that everything's coming back and we're busy again, I just feel like it's uh, been a lot of fun to get back going. But my um, goals, my goals would be, um, I think, moving forward is I I, I want to do something bigger in, in the Western lifestyle space again. So I'm I'm talking to them about what we can do to some friends and some uh, associates and and if we pull it off, it could be one of the biggest things that's ever happened in the Western lifestyle. So we'll see. How do you want up the American? What is that? Yeah. What What else can hot, you tell us this about is a that hot item? <laughs> breaking I news I, I hope that within the next uh oh couple of months we have bigger news for it so Ooh, uh, we, yeah so it'd be fun it's big though. it's big dang i don't even know how to make it bigger i, I can't even imagine this stuff i i, I want to be, be inside your mind to know what are you thinking about what is like even this texas versus the world you have that that idea in the works you probably were the one behind i don't know this for sure but you're behind you had to be behind iron cowboy and last cowboy standing like what other formats do you have besides the American? Like what, how else do you make this thing more entertaining? I, and I wasn't behind those. I, I, I think Sean Gleason's uh, giving him credit on those, those two events. Um, well, I, I think this does a teaser. I think the Western lifestyle space is very fragmented. And I think there's some fun things that you can do to, to help create new synergies and new, new uh, content that um, helps drive uh, interest from other um, disciplines of, of of the Western sports, and so I think you know when you when you break it all down and you create this business plan, um, I think this will be a very expensive, but I think it'll be a very rewarding for the entire uh, Western space. And I'm a major believer that all boats rise on a high tide. So everything we can do to help grow the sport um, helps everybody in the industry. Well, whatever. However, we can be in. We're in. We uh, we want to see what happens. <laughs> right, yeah, right. I'm, I'm so I'm so intrigued by this. It seems this is a cool idea. Yeah, we're in. Hundred percent. I like that. We can do cowboy shit live. We can be uh, we can be the the roadies. I'll pack some cables. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Whatever we're, you need. Set we'll up start panels. At the we're in. Yeah. I'll go. I, I'll All be. Right. I'll be a mascot if I have to. I've done it already once. The Calgary Stampede. So. <laughs> Consider it done. Where are you? <laughs> 
Wait, so you got one question. We got, yeah, this, got a few um, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is just to say before we, we wrap up here, like this has been so awesome, Randy. It's been fun to pick your brain and, and kind of hear how you think. It's it's been great. But to wrap things up, what is your definition of cowboy shit? You know what? I, I think these type of shows just educate people about the Western lifestyle and, and do it in a fun way. And I think that's what's that's what's um, you know, I, I think it's great. And I, I mean that's why I love doing these is I don't think very many people really care what I have to say about me personally, but I think it's fun to talk about um, the sport and, and, and the Western lifestyle. And, and, um, you know, you know, it's all my opinion. It doesn't mean it's me, but it's entertaining. Hopefully it's entertaining and you guys do a great job with it. So thank you. Well, thanks for your time. Thanks for doing this today. We, uh, I, I've been excited about this for a long time. I'm all sweaty. I was nervous. I want to make sure I get it right. Appreciate the heck out of it. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, this, hey, this has been thank great. You guys. Yeah, I hope to do it again sometime. Oh, we will. We'll, we'll put you in when you uh, when you make this big announcement, whatever it is. We're very intrigued. We'll get Wayne back on the show with me next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be hundred percent. <laughs> okay, thank you, Randy. All right, you bet. Bye bye. Thanks again to Randy Bernard for being on episode 87. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. What a uh, what a chat that was. We actually uh, we missed it the first time around. We were we were waiting around for what like 20 minutes, but mm-hmm. he turns out like I already had like called it off and like well shit I guess it didn't work out and you know kind of sometimes I'll check in with people and sometimes not, but usually if we put something in the calendar, it's just kind of like you know just show up and everybody shows up on time and it pretty much works out, especially with these way google works and everything now but like i don't know i don't know what happened but anyways i think he texted me before he took off in a plane mm-hmm. we didn't even ask him where he's coming from probably come back from the american but we uh he texted us before he took off he's like hey can we push you back up back an hour but i didn't get that until he already landed and i was already like on the way to go pick up stuff from bill by the time i got the text <laughs> and i was like oh shit well i guess today's rolled off now so i have to do it another time but i kind of felt bad that we got like I was like, sorry, ways. I guess we got stood up again. Some miscommunicado. The only other guy to get to stand up so far was Justin McKee. Didn't quite work out to Mm -hmm. get him on the show, but I might not have had that planned enough. Well, yeah, I don't know, whatever. But like, people, people get stuff comes up. People get busy, so it's understandable for sure. But he was on a a plane and it was circling. It couldn't land, so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the text didn't go out first off, and whatever. We got it. We got it. Lot. We got it done. Anyway, so it was. The shit happens, dude. Yeah, but I, I'm glad we did get it done then for this next show because it was oh, such yeah. a fun. It was such a such a fun like conversation. Like for me, like it's so cool to talk to people who don't have like that traditional like inside the box thinking with rodeo. Like, he really like yeah. approaches it with like an outside the box and a different approach than most people. And it's so cool to and refreshing to talk to people because like you and I, you and I think along that those lines the same way. Like we don't really approach the sport with like a inside the box it was traditionalist what? mentality. That we try to think of different ways. Uh, to improve and i think really rodeo really needs to start looking outside the box on that front it was what he said about we could armchair quarterback it as much as we wanted to mm-hmm. and talk about what might work and what and that whatnot but it was interesting even even the points uh 
the points about about rodeo like about my experience with going to houston and san antonio where the the entertainment feature is the is the music where with with the pbr with what he did was the feature was the pbr mm-hmm. which is what it should be if we're making this thing a sport and making it that way but it's not thought of that way in a lot of circles and a lot of mm-hmm. what's going on right but um yeah, man. And he's, he's not, and he's not scared that. to think big about it, right? Like when you talk, oh, yeah. they teased that, that the biggest Absolutely. event ever, like something bigger than the American. It's hard to even like imagine an, an event bigger than the American. So I think that yeah. um, having I'm people like him involved, what's going on. yeah, it's, it's, it's good that we have people like him involved because I don't think we'd see the growth that we've seen. And I, I'm not saying it's been the crazy growth, but like it's been, it's been like these bigger events are happening and more, more eyes are getting on rodeo. So um, thanks to people like that. I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the chat and I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the, the conversation. The, I had listened to probably three or four shows that he'd already done. Like he did, mm-hmm. did one with Flint and did one with a couple other guys that I had, I had, uh, researched. I found a few other episodes he'd been on. One was like, a I don't know. I don't know what they were, but anyways, it was mostly, uh, and nothing against anybody, what they did, but it was mostly a history and different stories along the way where I wanted to make this one as different as I could from those ones and ask him different questions that would mm-hmm. get us a different line of answers and, a, and different content than what people have already heard. So you might've listened to other shows with Randy and I'm, I'm hoping what you just listened to was different than those other shows, because I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that it was more, I wanted to try and make it different. I didn't want us to be the same thing as everybody else and ask like, you know, when did you start the PBR, when did you do this? What, you know, tell mm-hmm. us these stories from back then it would have been interesting to learn about more about, what happened with the break with uh, tough heathen when he went out, that was one thing I wish I would have asked. Maybe we can do it next time. Mm-hmm. Another one was how the hell he let uh, tough Cooper come back to the American after he organized cheating the first year with um, who was it? One of the, it was in the, in the tie down roping. They like colluded together to make this uh, other guy win the million dollars. And then they they all split it afterwards, allegedly. So there was like, I was going to, I wanted to ask him, I want to ask him like, how do you let tough Cooper come back after he freaking rigs the draw so they can split the million dollars? Well, maybe that, but maybe that, but was that ever confirmed though? I don't know. I think it was all settled outside of court. I don't know if it ever went to court, but I mean, you know, some speculation on what, what went down. How do you let a guy like that? How do you let a guy like that allegedly that allegedly may have changed the rules? Maybe he was, maybe, maybe that, maybe that it got to the point where that was fake news. Who knows? Who knows? We're it's all good, we're just good, speculating good on on what yeah. went down, um, but, but some no, interesting good. stuff to maybe talk about next time when we when we talk to him with with Wayne, the great one. Wanye, that'd, that'd be sick, man. That'd be cool. Um, before we wrap up, I have a question. I just thought of, and you had something else too. Or no, this, that, I, that was it. We just did it. Never mind. Yeah, we just did it. Yeah, I, it's I, I, talking about airplanes. Like, are you a window seat, a middle guy, or an aisle guy on the airplane? Is anybody a middle seat person? I saw, I actually know some people who, who are middle, middle seat people. Are they uh, mentally regular? Well, that's up for <laughs> debate. <laughs> There's people who can say the same about us too on that front, but I'm, I'm a strictly window seat guy. Like every yeah. time I'd fly up North to work, I need to have like, like, not even just for the sake of looking out the window. I just like close the blind and like sleep on something. Yeah. But I don't like the aisle. Cause I always get run over by the cart going up and down the pathway or whatever. Fair. And then mid- middle obviously sucks. And then the, or the window seats where it's at. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know what to say on that. It depends what's going on. If I'm traveling with somebody, somebody, I, ideally we would get like 
I'll book the aisle. Like if it's, if it's three to a side, we'll book the aisle and the window and then the middle's open. Cause nobody really wants that middle seat. So we will book like the window and the aisle at a back row because nobody's going to want to sit in the middle. So you can always trade them for it. And then you can always sit together or you get your own row and you get an empty seat. So it just depends what's going on. That's pretty tight. Yeah. But I, uh, I, but I like the window if I'm with somebody, but if I'm by myself, usually I would just take the, the aisle so I can get out and move around. But it really depends on what's going on. I, I look at those flights every time and like check in and I'll surf through the seats and be like, eh, I like that one. I like this one. And this one's like empty. So I try to get at least a good seat for one. Sometimes at the front, sometimes like it really depends. It depends. You got to read the plane, man. You got to read the plane and see what's going on. But there's a big thought process in this. Are you one of those, like, are you one of those people who like stands up the moment you're allowed to when you land? Fuck no. I said, those are the worst until... people, man. Oh, the fuck. worst people. Like, where are you going to go? The fucking door is no, we're all going to get off the plane at the same time. Yeah. And, and there's or, or the guy there. that fucking goes by me, but that's behind me. And I'm like, you sit um, the fuck back down. I am people, people, airplane etiquette is so bad. Like I yelled at a guy one time when we came back from like, I don't know if it was Cancun or something, but this guy fucking stands up and goes right, blows by us all. I'm like, where the fuck do you got to go, man? Fuck off and sit back down. Like I was mad at him. I was like, you, nice. why are you in such a fucking hurry for? I was fired up. I was very angry. Man, you need, you need to, though. People need to be put, put in their place like that. Ignorant bastard on a plane. You don't have to be a dick on a plane, okay? Don't you don't have to be a dick ever. Man, wait, I have a story for you that I just remembered. I might, we might, have, to, I might have to retell it next time. But, but so, because I've been trying to think of how to, how to tell it the best way. So, we were in, uh, we're in Vegas. This was, uh, oh, fuck. I think I was 20. Because it was when I was in school there, I think. I was, mm-hmm. wasn't quite old enough to drink legally in vegas so it was another one of those times when we're you know trying to use my fake ids and whatever mm-hmm. and i think i don't it was during the nfr so i don't think that it might my my id may have expired so we were trying like my fake id expired so we, maybe we we're trying to just bum free beers where we could but mm-hmm. you were at the nfr one time so i don't know if you know the story of like all the parties that go on during the nfr like all the well there's i know there's like the gold buckle area and like there's like there's shit going on everywhere i never went to any of them but <clears throat> so at the South point on usually the first weekend, there are a lot of committee parties. So there's, you know, Calgary stampede used to host a party there and it's open bar and you know, everybody who's kind of invited shows up. Right. But a lot of these ones are open bar and, and anybody can show up or like, you know, if you, you have to be invited, but nobody's going to say, nobody, nobody's going to say, who are no. you? Like you can't yeah. come in here. It's kind of, op- you know, kind of open, whatever. So Calgary has a party. Cheyenne has a party. Pendleton has a party. There's all these different parties, but my friend and I, his name, his name's Chase Barnaba. I met him at the college rodeos. And I, I think it was when I was out, out West, like, uh, when I was in school in Hobbs, he was in school in maybe Tarleton and Stephenville. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he and he and I met up at, at the NFR and we're cruising around the South point, trying to bum free beers and find all the, you know, find all these parties. So we ended up in this suite I remember there was like a Ram rodeo one too, that I might've ended up at. Cause I knew somebody or we, whatever you're only like bumming around all the free beers and nobody's going to ask you for an idea at these parties, right? Like it, they're kind of like off the rules. And if you're, yeah. if you look like you belong, you can definitely get a free beer that's just in the tub or whatever. So we end up, we end up going, uh, we see a sign and there's kind of like rumblings like, Oh guys, this is like the Woodward Elks pro rodeo party in suite 1267 at the South point. So we're like, yeah, shit. Yeah. We're going to go to this party. And it was like 
Woodward, Oklahoma. Like we had neither, neither of us had been there, had no intention of going to this rodeo or anything, <laughs> but we hear this, we see about, we hear about this party. So we're like, yeah, let's go check it out. So we like get in the elevator, like, yeah, you guys come to the party for Woodward. Like, yeah, you, yeah, you bet we're going for sure. So we go up the elevator. It's in this nice suite. We're kind of like, kind of feel awkward because it's a pretty small one compared to the like Cheyennes and the Pendleton's yeah. like Calgary's where you're like, you can kind of blend in. But this one where it's like two young guys, you know, like 20 years old. And they're like, yeah, you guys thinking to come to the Woodward rodeo this year? Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we just want to come check it out, see what you guys got them go. And all about, yeah. You know, we're like, yeah, for sure. So we Vibe just check. like, yeah, we just roll in there and roll right in and pick up pick pick up a couple beers and we're sitting around, kind of like trying to fit in and not be awkward to just that we're there for the free beer and you didn't check our ID, so we're you know trying to just hang be, out, be friendly, yeah. And this other guy comes up and did not like he could feel our vibe. Like he, he checked our vibes and he's like, these guys are fucking, they don't pass the vibe check. Yeah, These, these guys, guys are not know. passing the vibe check. <laughs> so, so we're, uh, we're just having a beer and this guy comes up. He's like, you guys weren't invited. Were you? And we're like, um, yeah, for sure. We're looking at, you know, we're looking to come to the rodeo. And he's like, man, you guys got to go with the flow of traffic. You can't just like go up and thumb a beer out of the tub and just like awkwardly go over there by ourselves. Like your, your vibes off like that. This is exactly what's going on. He, he, he knew us. And so we were like, we're like, oh, you know, we're trying to like, you caught us. No, we didn't say that. We're like, we're like, no, yeah, we're doing this or whatever. And he's like, no, you're not. You guys, he's like, no way. You got to go with the flow of traffic. He's like, you know, when you're like going to the, you're going to the buffet, if it's like a free, free meal at a, at a, at a committee tent, you got to like, you just got to go with the flow of traffic. If you're trying to bum some free shit, you just like somebody else is going, you just kind of sneak in behind them and just like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're just you just blend in right or if you're going on the highways like you got to go with the flow of traffic you can't be you can't be flying around people and just that's good going advice crazy. man that's such good advice yeah. and he's like you can't be like at the he had a whole bunch of different explanations like going the flow of traffic he's like he's uh i forget what they all were now but he had like a whole bunch of different examples a bunch of, of isms of go with the he was like go with the flow of traffic and we're like we kind of like got to be like yeah like you're right man like his body is like we need to go with the flow. <laughs> Yeah. And then, and he's like, you guys are like obviously underage too. So like if somebody else is going to get a beer, you got to like blend in and just go with the flow of traffic. <laughs> like his whole thing was, was just going with the flow of traffic. So yeah. So this was the whole thing. And like, I don't know. He's, he's like, man, if you guys are like, if you get in a jam and you're like, you're smuggling drugs and you're and they're in your car, you can't be, you can't stick out. You, you got to go with the flow of traffic. <laughs> <laughs> just had, yeah. So we had all these different explanations and everything and we're like okay and it got to the point where i was like okay man like okay we get it like go with the flow like what else are you gonna tell us now like there's so many different fucking ideas of how this way can go and we're kind of getting annoyed and we're like okay fuck we got our beer we're just gonna leave now like maybe we'll grab another one before we go <laughs> but but then uh but then we ask him we're like so what's your uh what's your role on the committee here is like oh i wasn't invited either <laughs> no way that's a, that, that's awesome that's so funny so he was doing the same shit you guys are on. That's good. That's a good man. Nice delivery there. That's awesome. That's oh, why he shit. knows how to go with the flow of traffic, <laughs> right? So I thought I ever figured who he was. Was he like some? Was he no, some, he just, like, he just drifted random. off into the night. After that, we just just lost him. It's like, kind of like it's, it's kind of like the gambler, like the storyline. <laughs> that could be a song, right, or something. You got to go with the flow of traffic. Yeah, send talk to Brett Kissel. We got stuff for you. <laughs> Ah, oh, shit. Okay, nice, well, we'll leave you with that. Thanks for listening to this. It's been episode 87 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. Thanks for uh, playing along, Wasey. Appreciate it. Thanks, Randy Don't Bernard. Don't forget, though, 
Yeah, buy the merch. Go with Cowboy the flow of traffic. Ca. Yeah, go with the flow of traffic. <laughs> All the way to cowboyshit.ca. Get your new merch. Um, thanks again. Like I said, Randy Bernard for being on the show today. Thanks to uh, Sean Morton for the editing. Kobe Moore for taking the photos at the photo shoot. Storm Defoe, graphics, all the badass stuff, the website. Wacy, thank you the most. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you too, brother. See you guys. See you guys next time. Turn it up.